Mark chapter 1, I am excited again to, to go through this book, uh, the Gospel of Mark. Um, verse 1 of Mark chapter 1 says, the beginning, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We're titling our series, Following the Servant, Son of God, through the gospel of Mark. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll continue. Lord, we pray that you'll help us as we venture into this written account of the greatest story ever told, of the greatest truths that we could ever know. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see Jesus Christ, to take the whole thing in, Lord, to know your word better from these times together. And Lord, the whole goal is to know you more, to know Jesus Christ more, to worship you, to glorify you. We thank you, Lord, as we've sung that you love us, that we can cast all of our cares upon you. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. And Lord, we're getting ready to venture into the account that proves that. Lord, we thank you for Mark. We thank you for uh, men and women who you have used in the past. And we thank you, Lord, that you want to use us in this day. For Lord, the gospel goes forward, it goes on. Lord, we pray that you'll help us now this morning. Give our minds clarity of thought. Show us, Lord, exactly what you'd have us to see. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'll be honest with you this morning. I've got so many wheels spinning in my head on this book and on this chapter right now. I'm going to have to ask the Lord to help me focus to give you exactly what you need today because there's so much here. And I want to begin, though, with the beginning. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We talked about a number of things last Sunday night. We actually began this last Sunday night talking about that phrase, the servant, son of God. What a, what a phrase. The servant, son of God, and the theme of Mark, and who wrote Mark, and, and all of that. We're not going to get into all that again today. But first of all, let's talk about beginnings. Beginnings for just a minute. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. There are how many gospels? Four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke... And John, um, these Gospels are the historical accounts of the beginning of the Gospel. Now, up here on the screen, I want to show you a timeline. And I want to take just a few minutes and put it in perspective a little bit. You know, it is very important for the people of God to know their Bibles. Would you agree with that? It's important to know the Scriptures and not just know all about what it says, but to know it, to know the books, to know who wrote the books, to know the history of it. It's important in 2018, and we talked a lot about this through the series in Acts. It's important for us to remember and recognize and realize that we are talking about real history with real people, historical events, historical books, history. This isn't something I was talking to some of the children in Master Clubs Wednesday night. We're not talking about fairy tales. We're not talking about superheroes. We're talking about, and things people make up, we're talking about real life events. What we have on the screen, and I hope you can see that pretty well, is AD 1 through AD 100. Of course, we have up there right now the birth of Jesus Christ. If we were to move forward a little bit here on this timeline... We see right here, and I'm going to have to turn because it's too little in the back, uh, John the Baptist begins his ministry a little bit before A.D. 30. If you know, we don't have time to go into all of this. Jesus was born 
he lived to be about 30 years old before he began his public ministry. He was crucified, we believe, around the age of 33 or 34. He was a young man when he was crucified. But around this time, his cousin, John the Baptist, begins his ministry. And we're going to see all of this in the scriptures in the book of Mark. After John the Baptist begins his ministry, we'll see Jesus beginning his ministry around the time of A.D. 30. After Jesus begins his ministry, he only ministers, we mentioned this to the teens a little bit ago, for approximately four years. Now think about that. Four years, Jesus ministers. The Bible says this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And you know the context of that verse is is in the Psalms? And the whole passage is talking about the coming of this one, Jesus Christ. The coming of the Messiah in his day. This is the day the Lord has made. The Gospel of Mark is the account of that day. The account of the day when he came, when Jesus came. Now, before we get into more of that, If I were to ask you this morning, I'm going to give you a quiz, and I'll go ahead and tell you, the teens know more than you probably know this morning, adults. They know the answer to this question, and maybe some of you do too. But if you were to be asked, what's the first New Testament book that was written? The first New Testament book that was written in history, what would that book be? One of the teens said, well, actually, that's the first thing one of the teens said, Mark. Because they knew I was in the series of Mark. No, that's not the answer. Um, and then one of the teens said, is this a trick question and it's actually is Matthew? <laughs> and the answer is no, it's not Matthew. And it's not Revelation. That's what they said. That, that was the last book. Well, does anybody want to take a guess before we go on? That's a good try. Thessalonians, no. Who else? Somebody said something. That's it. Some of you are smart. We have the conversion of Paul that takes place right through 30 and 40, AD 30 and 40. And if we keep going through here, we'll see James writes his letter at about AD 40. So that's about nearly 10 years, 8 to 10 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ that the first letter is written by James. And he starts his book by saying to the 12 tribes, and where are those 12 tribes? Scattered abroad. They're scattered abroad. How were they scattered abroad? Well, there was a man named Saul. We talk about that in the book of Acts. Saul began to persecute the church, and this was part of the scattering. And he began, they began to scatter abroad. And James writes the first letter. So if our Bible were actually in order of the way it was written, James would be the first book in your New Testament. Of course, that's not the way the Bible has been put together. It's put together in order of the events that took place. But, um, but that's the first book. Now we're working our way to Mark. When was the first gospel written? And we learned, I didn't mention this, we learned last Sunday night that the Mark is actually the first gospel account that was written. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In our Bible, it's put together in that order. Matthew's first, Mark, Luke, and John. But Matthew was not the first gospel written. Um, through research, we have found, through internal evidence of the books, through external evidence of the books, we, uh, mankind has been able to fa- find that the first gospel record was Mark. So when was Mark written? Well, let's keep going down our timeline. Here we have James. He writes his first letter. And then we have the three journeys of Paul. Paul's first missionary journey, Paul's second missionary journey, and Paul's third missionary journey, which we went through 
the book of Acts, every uh, one of those journeys. We also, through those journeys, see Paul writes Galatians. Paul writes First and Second Thessalonians while on his second missionary journey. And Paul writes the two Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, uh, while on the third missionary journey. And it isn't until after Paul writes the book of Romans, near A.D. 60, that Mark records the first gospel of Jesus Christ around A.D. 60. I just find that interesting. I find it interesting that Christianity went through nearly 30 years of time before God led the first person to write the account of what we're going to go through in the Gospel of Mark. We learned last Sunday night, the Gospel of Mark is the account of Peter, mostly. It's mostly the account of Peter given to Mark to to record down for us in the Scriptures. Of course, Matthew's the account of Matthew. John's the account of John. And Luke, who is the historian who wrote Acts, is also the one who wrote the book of Luke, which is using Paul and others, uh, uh, accounts of Mary and others, in his gospel. He's the historian. So that's how far we have to get from John the Baptist, from Jesus, to find this book that we're entering into, A.D. 60. Something we can learn from this, folks, is this. God doesn't always move on our timetable. We would think, we would think that the first gospel record would have to be like right after the gospel happened, right? Right after Jesus came, right after the cross, right after the resurrection. We got to get this down on paper. Well, no, the Lord told his disciples, go ye into all the world and tell what happened, preach the gospel, and they did. We'll see. Let me show you here. Let me put up the rest of it just real quickly. Right there between AD 60 and AD 70, that was a real big time. Lots of books were written. Matter of fact, most of them were. Even Revelation, some, there, there's different speculation on, on some of the John's books, where they would be placed. Uh, some believe Revelation ought to be over there between 60 and 70. But anyhow, most of the books of the Bible were written in that decade between AD 60 and AD 70. Of course, AD 70 was the time that Jesus had foretold very plainly and very clearly in the Gospels that Jerusalem would be destroyed, the temple would fall, not one stone left upon another. And what a horrific time for Israel, A.D. 70 was. It changed everything for that nation. Well, between those two years, A.D. 60 and 70, we have all those other letters written. Paul's in Rome. Remember we left him there at the end of Acts under the Roman uh, soldier in, in that house? And while he's there, he's writing Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon while uh, 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 Luke is writing his gospel of Luke. And then he goes into his second writing, which is Acts, writing to Theophilus. And you can study all of this. It's important to know our Bibles. It's important to see all of these things. Well, the gospel of Luke, of course, the same with Matthew, Mark, and John. I'm sorry, the gospel of Mark is the good news the world in all of history had been waiting for. These gospel records, and again, I didn't point this out, but you can see how Matthew was written right after Mark, or pretty close, they think. Luke was written between 60 and 70, and John, the gospel of John, was the last gospel that was written. It's amazing what harmony is between these four gospels. These gospels, again, are the historical accounts of the beginning, as we see here in Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel. In Malachi chapter 3 in verse 1, 
The Bible says, And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi 3.1 When we read through a gospel record like Mark, we must realize that what we are reading in this gospel is the work of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and it is the beginning, and I want to stress that this morning, it is the beginning of the good news of Jesus. The beginning of the good news of Jesus. Let me show you this again one more time and point something else out. We have here, where these brackets are on our timeline, this is the life of Christ. Just that span of time, thirty, approximately 33, 34 years of time. I wish I had a timeline of the entire world, the entire timeline of, of from, from creation till now to show you here. But what a short span of time that is on the, in the whole scheme of things. The Gospel of Luke, I'm sorry, I keep saying Luke, the Gospel of Mark is going to take us to these brackets. Jesus' ministry in these short Three to four years, right there. That's the time span on our timeline that Jesus ministered. That's the time span of Jesus' teaching, of the cross of Jesus Christ, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Four years. The Gospel of Mark is going to take us into that area, into that time. Take your Bibles and go with me to Mark chapter 16. I know we're beginning this, and we just read Mark chapter 1, but the very last book, I mean, the last chapter in the book of Mark is Mark chapter 16. And there's a reason why I'm pointing this out this morning. Sometimes we might read through a book like Mark, or we read through a book like Acts, or and we come to the end of the story, and we may think something like, And they lived happily ever after. And it's all over. It's all done. Let's read Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 19, the last two verses. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. We don't get to Mark 16 and come to the end of the gospel and the work of Jesus Christ. These accounts, again, they don't end with the end. Your Bible may have that in there, but that's not inspired. It doesn't come to the end and say, and they lived happily ever after. As a matter of fact, you get to the end of these books in the Bible, and sometimes it seems like it's like a sudden cutoff. It just ended. The account ended. But that was never the intention that we get to the end of a book like Mark and then that's the end. We read our book. It's over with. We heard the story. These books are supposed to inspire us. They're giving us instructions. They're showing us what began this thing called Christianity. I have this on the timeline up here to show you the life of Christ. This is the center of history right here. God has been up to something for a long, long time. And there it is right there. On a timeline format. In four years, God accomplished through his servant son, 
what he had been up to all the way from the Garden of Eden. And folks, let me tell you, he's still accomplishing what he's been up to in 2018. We don't get to the end of the book of Mark and it's all over and it's all done or any other gospel. We said that when we were in Acts, didn't we? The Bible says that these men went forth everywhere preaching the word, the word of God. He told his people to go now into all the world and proclaim what has begun. Proclaim what has come, who has come, what has happened. And did they do that? Look at our timeline. That's a mess there after Jesus, isn't it? Yes, they did. They went out into all the world and there we go into the book of Acts that we that we just closed out the other week. They did exactly what Jesus said. And that gospel message started going, started expanding, started growing out into all the world, and it continues today. I want you to see something at the end of the gospel account of Mark that you know, but I want you to see it again this morning. Verse 19 again. Let's just pick it up right there. Verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now that we term the ascension. That's the account of the ascension. And we'll find out in the book of Mark that Mark, many times, he just gives the basics and we move right on. It's a a fast-paced, action-packed gospel record. And here we're told that Jesus, when he was done at the end of that red bar on our timeline, after he was crucified for the sins of the world, shed his blood, was buried in a tomb, rose again from the dead, 40-some days later, He ascended back into heaven. That's what it says right there. He was received up into heaven and he sat on the right hand of God. Now, we have to be careful again because we might think, oh, Jesus was done. I ask you the question this morning. Does this mean Jesus was done? Oh, no, no. Let's go back to what we're talking about this morning. This was just the beginning. This was just the beginning. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The beginning of what God has planned and what he's going to do. No, no, no. Jesus didn't go up into heaven and, boy, he was tired after all of his work on earth. So he goes and sits down. It kind of sounds like that, doesn't it? He goes and sits down at the right hand of God. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me explain this morning what that means is Ricky Ricardo, is that his name, would say. Jesus didn't go sit down because he was tired. Jesus didn't go sit down at the right hand of God because he was wore out and weary and weak. Jesus didn't go sit down somewhere because his job was over. Now his, his redemptive work was finished. Didn't he say it on the cross? It is finished. I've accomplished on this earth what I've come to do. But when he ascended up into heaven, that doesn't mean he was done. That's just the beginning. Just the beginning. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, sat on the right hand of power, on the right hand of God. And that in the scriptures is always a sign of authority and power. We often say Jesus is the what? King. Jesus is king. Let me ask a question this morning. Do we really believe that? Jesus is king? Do we really believe he's king today? Well, maybe we think he was king, or maybe we think he's going to be king. 
And all of these things are true. But what about right now? What about today? Where's Jesus today? What's he doing right now? Let me tell you, he's as active, he's as powerful, he's as on fire for his work as he's ever been. But he's a king like no other king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And today he sits at the right hand of God, only just begun. And how the followers of Jesus went forth and preached everywhere. Jesus came. He did what only the God-man could ever do in that red block of time right there. We will be studying this. That's going to be our goal, is to study that bit of time right there that you see on that timeline as we go through the book of Mark. But realize from the beginning here, these were the great events that brought in righteousness and was only the beginning of the work of King Jesus in the world. And why this is important, folks, is this. What we are studying in Acts, what we study in Mark, what we study in the Bible has everything to do with you. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think we're kind of out of place. This is Bible stuff. This is spiritual stuff. This is church stuff. This doesn't have anything to do with America, does it? It has everything to do with America. Who brought America along? This same Jesus. Who's the one who gives power today to the saints of God? Who's the one who's carrying the mission forth around this world to bring people to Jesus? It is Jesus Christ himself. It is the Holy Spirit of God. God is at work today as much as he was in the book of Mark. God is at work today as much as he was back with David. God's been up to something for a long time and he's still up to something today. Who's he going to use to do his will today? Will you be that one? You know, we have to get over this mindset that takes us outside of the things that we read in our Bibles. And we need to put ourselves back into, we are part of the story. We are part of all of this. Okay, that's my point this morning. Now, Jesus Christ has accomplished what he came to do. And now a new, the Bible says, a new and living way has been opened up. Now the gospel message and the power of God goes out into all the world like never before by the people of God. And who are those people called? Capital C, the church. The church goes out into this world. Jesus said an amazing thing. We don't have time to get into all of this. Greater works than these shall he do. That's he that believeth on me. Because I go unto my Father. Now, boy, that's a Bible study. Look that verse up sometime and think on those things. Greater works? Because I go unto my Father. Oh, Jesus, this book of Mark is just the beginning. Just the beginning. We may have the idea that when Jesus ascended back into heaven, that his work was all done, that he went home to sit down and rest because he was tired. No, no, no. The phrase sat on the right hand of God. Let me show you through the scriptures. To sit at one's right hand, according to God, according to the scriptures, means a place of authority, a place of honor, a place of dignity, a place of rulership. God exercises his authority by his right hand. The phrase is used throughout the Bible. Look on the screen. Exodus 15, verse 6. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Jehovah, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. In Isaiah chapter 48, 
Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned or spread out the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. The right hand of God is symbolic throughout all the Bible of authority and power. Isaiah chapter 48. And then we go to the New Testament. And Peter very clearly, in 1 Peter 3, Jesus Christ, who is gone into where? Heaven. And is on the right hand of God. Amen. What's that mean? Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. And let me place in there presidents and Supreme Court judges and congressmen And we could go on down the line. Being made subject unto who? Do you believe that this morning? The king you serve, the king I serve in 2018 is the same one who sits on the right hand of power. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Folks, that's today. That's today. 1 Peter chapter 3. Look what Jesus said at the end of Matthew or at the end of Mark. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power. How much power? All power is given unto me. In heaven and in earth. Now you go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world or unto the end of the age. Matthew 28 and verse 18. Take your Bible. I'm not going to take the time to do this this morning. And go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. On this earth, Jesus laid aside many things to humble himself. And let's read this passage in Philippians chapter 2. Beginning with verse 5, Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, if you or I were to say that about ourselves or any other man or woman, it would be blasphemy. But Jesus thought it not robbery to to say he was equal with God. Verse 7 but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a... And in Mark, we will see that servant, son of God, in action. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, And given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And folks, it's going to happen. Every knee should bow and things in heaven, things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all God's people said, Amen to that. Psalm chapter 80, look on the screen again. Psalm chapter 80, verse 17. Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand. Who is that man? Upon the son of man, whom thou madest strong for thyself. 
I guess this morning what I want us to do as we begin this gospel account of Mark and we see the beginning of the beginning is for us to have a recognition right from the start that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is all-powerful. We worry about the things of this world. We worry about those in authority and leadership, and, and we have a right responsibility to take care of things, to do what we ought to do, to vote. I hope you're registered. We have a responsibility to do all of these things, but we come back in our minds as believers of the Word of God, as those who know this Jesus, and we realize, wait a minute, the King is on His throne. He's at the right hand of power. He's in control. God, the Father, has made him strong for thyself. And he's not worried about a thing. He's got it all in control. Same with your family. Same with your children and your grandchildren. You say, but you don't know the situation I'm going through. Jesus does. Give it to him. I cast all my cares upon you. What can he do? Oh my, he's at the right hand of power. He really is all in all. He really is coming again. He really is every knee is going to bow before him. You say, but it's been 2,000 years. Folks, listen, listen. Sometimes we've got, to, we've got to step back. Do you know God's been up to this thing for a long time? You know how many years it was from the cross to that famous garden we all know about called Eden? You know, God was up to what he's been up to today since then. Four to 5,000 years. Let me say it again. Four to 5,000 years before the cross, God began establishing a nation. And He told a man by the name of Abraham, I'm going to make a nation out of you. I'm going to make a nation out of you like the stars, like the sand. Well, thanks, God. That's great. I don't have any kids. And that wasn't until he was 100 years old or over that he had his first child. Isn't that just like God? And then he established this nation over hundreds of years. It takes a while to establish nations, right? People born, Egypt, Joseph, I mean, we go on, we go on. God's been up to something for a long time. We can learn this about God. Much, much of what he does, he doesn't do it like that. Now, he can, he can, and he does sometimes, but the plan of God, God, many times he moves slowly, slowly. He's working. He's doing his job. Folks, listen, we are 2,000 years on this side of the cross. 2,000. Could God wrap it up today? Sure he could. He sure could. Could this go on for another couple thousand years? It sure could. The point I'm making is we need to step back and see the whole picture of what God is doing. Jesus Christ really is ruling and reigning. Jesus Christ is on the throne at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ is all-powerful. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. We can trust Him. We can trust Him. I'm out of time already. I told you I had too much to do here this morning. And we're going to have to pick it back up here. But let me end this way. I tell you what, let's end in Ephesians. You're in Philippians. Back up. To Ephesians chapter 1. And let's just stress this point as we end. Ephesians, the letter by Paul to the Ephesians. In verse 17, let's pick it up. Ephesians 1.17. <clears throat> 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's talking to the Ephesians, I'm praying for you. And Ephesians, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. And this is the same that we could pray for each other. We also are the church today. That, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the, now look at it, exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own, where? Right hand in the heavenly places. What's he doing there? Look at verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That's where Jesus is today. You say, but it sure doesn't look like he's in charge. Again, we have to back out, don't we? There have been many times where it hadn't looked like Jesus is in control. But we don't see everything going on in this world. Can I just bring this up real quick? If you think you're seeing everything going on in the world on Fox News and CNN, you're not seeing it all. We don't know what all God's doing. Jesus Christ is on his throne. And I guess the main message this morning is this. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. And let's stop sitting on our hands, being so complaining about how things are going to hell in a handbasket. Let's stop worrying about all of these things that we need to be concerned about. And let's remember who we serve. Let's remember who's in control. Let's remember what prayer is all about. If these things that we're going over this morning really are true, if we really can talk to the one who controls it all, who controls the sea, my goodness, we're going to see things about Jesus most of us know, but be reminded about things about Jesus. He really is in control. There's nothing that happens without his knowledge of it. He's not worried about a thing. And if we want to make a difference in this world, then we really will put all of our faith and trust in him. Call unto him, and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jesus Christ, and we say it often, he really is the answer for America. Jesus Christ, he really is the answer for the president and for the Supreme Court. He really is the answer for all of these things. The gospel, this good news that we're going to go through. And can I say this? It's the only answer. There's nothing else that's going to turn this ship around. Nothing. Except the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ can do it. But but God's people are going to have to get serious. God's people are going to have to quit just going to church and quit going through the motions God's people are going to have to make this our life. That Jesus really is all in all to us. That Jesus Christ, we're jealous over our relationship with Jesus. 
And we seek him day and night. And we know he's watching us. And we live that way. And we bring our children up that way. Jesus really is our Savior. And as we say, he really is our Lord. And our Master in every part of my day. Everywhere I go, everything I do, everything I turn on, everything I watch, I know I'm serving my Master. I know he's watching. I know I'm calling out to him. I know he answers prayer because he's on the throne. And he's in control. Don't let Satan tempt us into thinking he's in control. He would like nothing better than for the people of God to think he's in control. Folks, he's a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. Do you believe that? On the cross, the Bible clearly says that Christ made a show out of principalities and powers. There are things we don't even, we forget, don't we? We forget because we got, we've got our head in this world so much. Let's have our faith be built and grow. In, as we go through this gospel, may the Lord help us in these things. Lord, I feel like I've been through a lot of things here this morning, but I pray that you'll help us to take away what you want us to take away from this today.